0: Okay. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you all this morning. Um, So back into our um, series, the prism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanted to just take you back down memory lane a little bit of what it is that we have looked at What we have covered some of the things that we've just been saying about this and why it's even set up the way it is. So most of us in America uh, that are familiar with Judeo-Christian moral values have heard of the term salvation, okay? And one of the things about that is, is you may not know that there are a lot of these beautiful uh, benefits and attributes that are part of salvation and really necessary things that needed to happen in order for you to be able um, to be saved and accept it. You know, ultimately, what are we talking about? Okay, well, if we're talking about salvation, the issue is, is that I'm a sinner, you're all sinners, and that God is holy, and that creates this division between us, right? And ultimately, that division between us is something that unless I have this righteous Savior on my behalf, Do something for me, I cannot really traverse that space. It's too far for me. And so, what happens is, God sends his son, Jesus Christ, he lives this perfect, righteous life, fulfills the law perfectly. He has this phony trial that comes up and ultimately says that now he's guilty of these things of which they could not really lay anything at his feet because he hadn't done anything wrong. So, now that trial turns into murder. And he gladly accepts that murder charge because he understood what it was going to do on the cross. So now his blood gets shed. Now he's there, he dies, he's buried. And then in three days, the Lord resurrects him. And now the Bible says that he is seated in heavenly places with the Father. So as a result of that taking place, essentially what happens is if I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he did live, die, buried, and was resurrected, that now the Bible says that I can be saved. That I would now have that same standing that says that that sin problem I had is no longer a problem. Well, the thing that I want you to understand is the beauty and the details of how awful your sin is in order for that to have even taken place, okay? And so we have looked at, in the past, reconciliation. That was the first one we started with. And just in short, the thing with that is it was important for us to have a repaired relationship with God. So our sin nature essentially makes this awful um, kind of uh, relationship between us and God. Matter of fact, the Bible calls us enemies. We're enemies of God. Now imagine that. Your sin is so offensive, you may not have blasphemed by words, but your lifestyle did. The way that you've conducted things has. And it's so bad that the Lord can't even stand to be in your presence. One of those benefits is that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been able to reconcile that relationship. And so now that part is repaired. But I want to I wanna just propose something to you as we look at the two today. And there's two other ones that we've, we've gone over. You know how, like in work, that's pretty easy at work. Let's say you have a work issue and there needs to be mediation and you get said mediation. And then ultimately um, you, you say, man, we're good but you don't work in the same department. And so really, you don't really see that person anymore. But, but if you did, it's okay. It's not, it's not tense. It's just, we're apart. Well, even so, the Lord has like dealt with that aspect. We'll talk about that one today in particular, but to go back to what we have covered. So we now have a repair relationship through Jesus Christ with God, the father, and then propitiation. We now have atonement for our sins. So the other thing that our sins do is they're, they're so uh, uh, offensive to God is that they create this turmoil really between us outside of even what the needs of reconciliation are. And so now there has to be peace. So this is an interesting thing that I can have as a person that is saved by the blood of the Lamb is ultimately I can be at peace with God. Now, listen, this peace is so important because a lot of times in life, I may not be at peace with myself. I may have inner turmoil going on. I may have issues with other individuals, but the Bible says, as a result of salvation, I can have peace with God. Propitiation took, excuse me, took care of that for us. Then last week, we talked about remission. We talked about that being a clean slate for our sins, and so ultimately, the way you look at that is like, all the things I had done in the past, all the ways that I had offended the Lord, essentially, as a result of Jesus Christ, he just like, if it's on a table, he just took his hand and wiped it clean and said, okay, sit down, eat, we're good. And each time that I may try to engage in that and get, get my hands dirty again and redig, man, the Lord's forgiveness is such, if I ask for it, then he will just keep cleaning the table. Now, think about it. Do you have that same kind of? I know there's a lot of parents in here. There is a limit (laughs) before the rod of correction shows up, right? Or punishment. Go to your room. Just get out of my face. Just one of the three. Pick three, you know. (laughs) Just get out of here, right? And so the Lord, praise the Lord, (laughs) has not done us like that. He just wipes it clean. It's incredible. And so, It's with that. These are those details. Again, salvation doesn't uh, in and of itself need me to explain anything, but the Lord put these words in there. We should look at what they mean. Because what I don't want us to do uh, for those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ to not somehow be very grateful and just at a point where we're looking at the Lord and saying, I can't believe you did this. Thank you so much. And that my service now is, is Set up by gratitude, not duty. For those that don't know the Lord, that you can, you can go, man, I, I didn't realize the Lord cared that much about me to do all of these things and encompass that in salvation in and of itself. You see what I mean? It's like, you know, somebody gives you salvation, but then it's like a box of chocolate. And it's like, it's a lot of different things inside of you. Like, oh, oh, that was the Valentine's. But man, there's peanut butter and chocolate here. Thank you, praise the Lord, for peanut butter and chocolate, best combination. <laughs> so this is like that box of chocolate. All we're doing is we took the lid off and we're just looking at the different ones that we see. Okay. And so today's that we're going to talk about our justification and redemption. Now, one of the other things, because if, for those of you that are new to our class or just, um, or just new today, We have Bible studies and faith fellowship that most of our members are a part of throughout the weeks. We have them. We have guy specific, which a lot of the men that are seated here are part of. We have a couples one. uh, We have all ladies. And so they're in different parts of the city, just based off of where our different Bible study leaders live. And so one of the things that we try to do in our Bible studies is create an atmosphere where we can study the word of God, see what it says. And what it's saying to us and then figure out how that applies to our life okay now with that is in bible study we always want to remember we're looking at context we're looking at historical doctrinal and personal application okay and so we always want to kind of keep that straight just so we know where we're at what's going on what's happening so that way we don't start saying that well the bible is saying this and now all of a sudden i got to start slaughtering goats and i We're done with that, (laughs) okay? But that also doesn't mean that you get to rip that part out of your Bible, okay? It's there for a reason. It paints a picture of something very beautiful that happened with Jesus' shed blood, okay? So that's how this, this goes. So when we're looking at this, what this would be called is essentially we're doing word studies. We have found these words, and you see the words that we're looking at. This is by no means an exhaustive list. Uh, We could have probably added several more words, but these words do a great job of just telling us the the individual benefits that came with the all-encompassing umbrella by which salvation is for us, okay? And so we are covering that material. Make sense? Everybody with me? Okay. So now the first we want to get into, actually, you could turn your Bible to Romans chapter 4 justification if we just looked at justification t-i-o-n and what we're doing here is something else a little unique okay so what we're doing here is an english language exegesis which means i don't have to know greek and hebrew in order to understand the bible so we're just looking at the english um um entries of the word i just mentioned okay everybody with me so you got that it's only three but now if we went to just or justified boy it's a on justify it is a ton and so we don't have all today and not because the chiefs are playing which i am excited about (laughs) but Make no mistake about it. The Lord is more important than my dear Chiefs as well, okay? So we're just looking at this, because here's the thing that an English language exegesis says. I can know English. The Lord has written his word in my language, and what I should be able to do with that is come to the right conclusion and not jump to conclusions, okay? Now, if I take the time and use my resource materials and find out what the Greek means. I'm going to get a deeper study, but the Lord is not a trickster. He does not hide his word in such a way that you are beyond finding it out. So we ought to come to a right conclusion with these three verses. Okay. So that's what we're going to do today. And then we're going to look at redemption. All right. Now, so the first one that we want to look at is Romans chapter four, verse 25. We'll read that, uh, that verse first, but then we, we need to do something else here just as we have that. Okay. It's the last verse in that chapter, and uh, it is at least, well, nope. See, it's not even a complete sentence. So see, we'll have to do some work there. Okay. So it says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for, I'm sorry, that's not it. That's the, that's the top part. We'll get to that. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? Okay, if I just read that, I can kind of make some, jump to some conclusions. Who was delivered for our offenses? The thing that we would first ask ourselves is who? Who's who? <laughs> right? And then was raised again for our justification. Okay, we can make an educated guess of who that is. But now let's just go up a little bit higher to verse 23. And it says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, okay, us being the audience to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him, oh, now we're talking about, I have to believe on Jesus Christ. How do I know that? If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, what happened to Jesus who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again? for our justification okay so right out the gate we should see that this is kind of like if you were making a a graph of it there are two things that are really interesting one is delivered for our offenses okay so the lord has been delivered and you know what that made me think of uh brother matt blackstock works at fedex it made me think of packages and i was thinking i was like Oh, that's, ah, I love that. It's John three sixteen, right? Because ultimately this delivered, the Lord has sent this package and then now he's going to the cross and he has to die. Like it, you see, there's a lot of this delivery in terms of what is happening right there. It's loaded <laughs> just in that one word, right? Okay, and then it says, For our offenses, okay, now, and plural. So now, for all the things, this had to happen. He had to die for our offenses. But then, on the flip side, so on one hand, he's been delivered. We know that means his death, because we know what happened to him. But then, check it out, comma, and was raised again for our justification. Okay, so right out the gate there, You know how I like to write those little short ways for you to understand this. But in this case, man, I couldn't help it. There's these two verses that just I love that support the same idea here. Romans 6.23, write that down. You guys know what it is. If you are familiar with what we would call Romans Road, it says this, for the wages of sin is death. So what did I just learn right there when I see it was delivered for our offenses? This is why I said he had to die because the wages of sin is death. There ain't no way around it. You see what I'm saying? And if I get up there and die, well, I'm just dead. And I spend eternity separated from him because my sin problem hasn't been resolved. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. we love that, right? And then it goes on. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is why the raised again is important, okay? So he settled this in terms of a sin issue by death and burial, where the meat is, is on the resurrection. Because that's a game changer, okay? That is an absolute game changer. And we should very much be wanting to look at that. So now I kind of just want you to be writing here or make sure you underline that wages of sin is death. And then if you put a slash, we, by his resurrection, we should walk in newness of life. Okay, turn one chapter over from Romans uh, 4 to 5, and there's two instances here, and it says this, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses. There it is again. Look, we got something that's a common theme. That's the other thing you want to do when you're doing an English language exegesis is find the common words that always find themselves grouped with the word maybe you're studying, because it's going to help you to come up with a good, clear definition, okay? So we see offenses again unto justification. And then just a, a few down, and if really if we just read in between, we'll do that. We'll do the Bible of service and read it all because it's good. Verse 17, for by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now, please don't miss the awesomeness of what I just said. It said, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace. So, us, of the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Incredible. Therefore, (laughs) that's why it's therefore, (laughs) as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And so the thing that we kind of want to just in that case, Adam's offense becomes condemnation for all, but Jesus' righteousness becomes a way out of condemnation. It's incredible that the Lord basically could create this clause in the contract and just go, just going to rip it up. Okay, so now get these keys down. Because justification requires something based off of these verses that we're looking at. Okay, justification requires the resurrection of Jesus. If that doesn't happen, I'm not justified. This is why I say it's huge. Now, we haven't yet gotten to our working definition, then, for what we're gonna see. Of that, But we at least want to understand that is a requirement of it. I have to have that happen. The other thing that has to happen is justification requires a gift. It has to be a gift. If the Lord was going to now somehow say, you got to work, and I'm going <laughs> to base your work and measure it up against another man, we are cooked. You know, I mean, that's so praise the Lord because again, he's not wicked like we would be because that's how we do things, right? You get a review at work and they're talking about which, oh, you did that, da, da 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 da. Not here. Good, good to go. See, here's the thing you need to get down for that. God never enjoyed watching you struggle with sin, that's why that's the case. You have to get out and see, we need, to, we need to make in our minds something that we're building here. We need to come out. When we leave these, this prism, we've got to come out more grateful, more prepared and ready to hear his word and then respond to it, more prepared to serve and give our lives to it. It can't be, guys, listen, it can't be that coming to church is like the, the box that we check and say, well, I'm good with God and he's good with me. I go to church. And so that's just that. Listen, by the time we're done and I pray, especially with these two and overall, the whole thing that you just say, Lord, I'm undone by what it is that you and you alone could only provide to me. And so with that, I, here's my life. And you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be, you know, the next whatever, you know, pastor in the shoot or none of that. The Lord is just saying, do you see what I've done? And then how are you going to respond?
1: Justification requires a gift. God never enjoyed watching you struggle with sin. Last thing, justification requires judgment.
0: You say, Dale, how so? Man, you let me off the hook. I was feeling pretty good. And then you bring that J word in. <laughs> Everybody likes Jesus. No like, nobody likes judgment. <laughs> but I'm sorry. If Jesus is around, judgment is with him. So here's the deal: justification requires judgment. Why?
1: Jesus' judge is righteous. See, you like, Phew. he didn't say it was me. No.
0: No. Because here's why. Here's our working definition. And I am kind of going through this quickly because we've got some stuff we need to get in redemption here. Justification is a new life. Did y'all know that? Justification is a new life. Like you didn't, all the things that you did and who, how you came up and who your parents are, whether they were good or bad or in the middle or. You know, unfortunate opportunities that, you know, that you came into your life, the resources that you had or didn't have, your education that you have or don't have, the neighborhood you have or or don't have and wish you had a car, all of those things, the Lord goes, I don't care about that.
1: If you have me, you are justified. And that justification is new
0: life to you. New life like sometimes our lives are so bad we wish that we could be in like uh what's that thing the like the mafia of movies they got the, they have to go to another state witness protection and you get a new name and you know you new identity all that new job nobody knows who you are sometimes it feels like in life man that, it would be awesome if I got a chance to do that you did That's what I'm telling you. See, here's the problem with not seeing justification by definition as new life to us is that you constantly with this new justification, try to justify your old life.
1: And the Lord said, I won't have it. I can't have it. We can't have two justifications going on. If you justify by him, then be settled there.
0: Don't justify your actions. Don't, don't bring your stuff in and try to say, well, I'm going to help the Lord out. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of have my hands dirty over here. And one hand is praying and the other hand's in the mud. Like, come on, man. This is new life. We're in the witness protection program. <laughs> we got relocated, <laughs> re identified. I might, you know, might give me a perm or something. <laughs> You know, you don't know. I'm peculiar. That's what the Bible says. I'm peculiar. This guy, I don't know. He's got blonde hair now. (laughs) Who is this? (laughs) Newdale. I have had that hair before, unfortunately. Sorry, high school is, you know, it's a thing.
1: Okay. That one is short. Now, guys, with redemption, there's
0: 20 entries Same thing, we would kind of look at that. And I want you to hold this now, get this, make some room on your notepad, okay? Justification is a new life, we got our keys. We know what justification required, it required the resurrection of Jesus, it required a gift, it requires judgment, okay? We know all of those things now, but now I want to switch you into an additional benefit of redemption, And in the Old Testament, it has a lot of Old Testament uh, entries. And there are a few that I really want to kind of point out to you. And now I'm going to also mention something that the Lord is very much teaching in these uh, passages that we're going to look at. The first one is in Leviticus 25, 24. And uh, this is in a section. Okay. Blue letter is starting to label. It's passages, and uh, this one would kind of be labeled uh, like the the law of redemption. Okay, so now the Lord is laying out the whole concept of what redemption is, because this is conceptually, Israel has no idea about this, right? And so this is kind of an important aspect, and we're going to see some things that are like really heavy-hitting doctrinal truths. Um, from this okay so the first one if we just read the verse or actually I'll start um,
1: let me get there hang on a second
0: three of those entries for uh, redemption the first three are all in the same chapter so uh, I would imagine
1: this is important (laughs) to the Lord
0: okay chapter 25 We'll start in, uh, in 23, it says the land shall not be sold forever. Okay. I, sometimes I love just how matter of fact God is. Um, did somebody say to the Lord, Hey, I'm kind of thinking about, I want to sell this. No, let me just tell you, no. (laughs) Okay. Right now, the land shall not be sold forever. Why Lord for the land is mine. And then I like this, just as a reminder, like you are guests, okay? (laughs) But you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. Okay, now write this down. This is a huge doctrinal truth, especially, and I don't have any kind of political, we don't do that here. But let me just tell you this, uh, the land that God gave Israel belongs to them.
1: I know this is a sensitive topic.
0: There are a lot of people that feel away about this. I'm not saying that what is or how Israel sometimes treats Palestinians is right. Okay. I'm not saying that at all. They absolutely uh, can handle that differently. But let me just be very clear. The Lord already told us how to think about this. The land shall not be sold forever. Is there a time frame for forever? Other than forever. Forever, ever Okay? so that's how long See, and the thing that's important about this in 24 is God created a way to always get back that which was lost. Land and inclu- crew included. If I had the time to navigate you through this and reading it, what He starts giving you are for instances. So like in verse 25, it says, if thy brother be waxing poor and has sold away some of his possession, and if any of his can come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which is his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years of the sale thereof and restore the overplus unto the man who owns it now, to whom he sold it, that he may return unto his possession. See, the Lord allocated in Joshua, you get the kind of uh, dimensions of what it is land-wise and which they should have for each of the tribes, okay? And then the Lord is essentially saying that uh, that's your land. That's your plot. Now, it could be that you fall on hard times and you sold it and you're trying to get a leg back up. But once you get that leg back up, it's not like that sale is forever. If you wanted to buy it back, you can buy it back. There's a buy back program. <laughs> the Lord is all for it. I love that the Lord is more um for sure and certain about what He gives us than we
1: are. I mean,
0: <laughs> I'm bad, y'all. I will throw away something and then be like, oh, I needed that. Serene, uh, <laughs> we need to buy another one of those things. <laughs> I just because I don't like hoarding it, and so I'm like, all of it is trash anyways, and so I just don't care. Like I'll throw it away, you know. I ain't used it in a week. Throw it away. You know? I'm like, oh, I need that. That's deodorant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, if we keep going, so that's that's just in that section. We're talking about the land. Now, this is very interesting. If we keep going down and we get to 51 and 52 and it says this these are those other entries here if there be yet many years behind according unto them he shall give again the price of his redemption out of the money that he was bought for okay now this sounds very interesting now we're talking about if a person sold himself because again he fell on hard times and now he wants to go and work okay so the master has you know been paid a price for him and the the sweet thing about this is there is kind of a still a set time uh to this so there's like a timetable that this would go with and uh and in verse 52 it says and if there remain but few years until the year of jubilee then he shall count with him and according unto his years shall he give him again the price of his redemption okay so basically let's break this down on the top one What you have here is the servant can regain his freedom back after many years of service from out of the money the master bought him with. So don't think like when you think about American slavery, that's a, you know, a far more kind of evil, wicked thing. This would be more like, uh, uh, man, I always get the wording flipped out. The uh, indentured servitude. Yeah. Okay. Indentured servitude. So. Now I'm a work, I'm a work this property. I have, maybe I'm, I'm marrying, I have a family that's growing. I'm starting to gain possessions and all of this kind of thing. So I'm like, I'm on the come up. And this is a good scenario. Now, obviously the, that person that owns me is more wealthy than I am, but I am amassing something that I can, the buyback program. Again, we got it, I can get out, okay? And so that's kind of what that's talking about here. Now, I like this. And then in 52 The master and the servant have to agree on the years left till Jubilee because regardless, (laughs) once the year of Jubilee shows up, boy, he's free anyway. Okay, so that's the neat thing about this year of Jubilee is like it's kind of a timeline up to that. And so he's like, hey, if that time is short, we would sit down, we would agree on those years of service, and then basically uh, you'd have the ability to buy your freedom at that point. Okay, so you got that now. Keep that in mind, okay? In a physical sense, I can put myself in and out of work and then I have a retirement plan. It's not much different than what we have currently in in America, right? I mean, we kind of conceptually have some of these things that already exist. Now, now we're gonna get into a kind of interesting part dealing with the physicality of individuals, okay? And redemption there. Let's look at numbers three. Now, I'm going to set this up for you because this, man, I I do say read the chapter here. This is fantastic. So ultimately, what you have in this scenario is because the Levites were servants of the Lord, God told Moses to oversee the financial transaction of about 273 Levites, okay? The money collected went to Aaron because Aaron would now be the master over those Levites, okay, And, uh, and his sons. So that, that makes the money holder the immediate supervisor, but God ultimately is the boss, okay? So we have that same scenario at work. CEO, you might not ever see, sits in a big office somewhere, okay? And the thing that these Levites are gonna do, these servants will keep charge of the sanctuary. And so all you get right there is, and Moses took the redemption money of them that were over and above them that were redeemed by the Levites. See, Redemption gives power over whomever has been redeemed once the price is paid. So now, if I own somebody, then essentially I'm expecting something out of them. Now, just follow me here in terms of this, because some of you already, as Bible students know, well, am I redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Okay, so now the Lord is giving you some physical details that will absolutely help how it is you are spiritually living out your life. There's an aspect of ownership. There's an aspect of expectation of
1: work. Just keep that in mind.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to set you up. I'm not, you know, not to, not to spike you. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Psalm 49.8.
1: Psalm
0: 49.8. So we had talked about land. We talked about it in... Uh, indentured servitude. We got expectation. The, the Bible is kind of giving us some good foundation here. And now it's not like we're going off the rails, but something very important is said here. Okay. Psalm 49 verse eight says this. No, I got to read up higher. This is too good. I'm sorry. Verse one. To the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah, hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. This is why I couldn't hold you out. This is written to you, <laughs> okay, and me. So let's see what it's, what it's saying. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. All y'all. Nobody gets to say, oh, he's not talking to me. No, I am talking to you. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. Okay, so now basically, I'm gonna make it to where you understand it. We're gonna play a little song here. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Now, what I want to do here for a second, anytime you see a parenthesis in the Bible, you could skip over it and then come back and read it, okay? So we're going to do that, and then we're going to come back and read that section. So let's go seven, and then we'll go nine. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die; likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. <laughs> now let's go back to verse eight. Super important. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it, ceas- it ceaseth forever. So what are we saying here? This is a huge, <laughs> another. Huge doctrinal point. Write this down. Man is incapable of
1: redeeming his own soul.
0: This is where you're getting a chance to see that. Now, conceptually, we grasp that. We get that really, obviously, in the New Testament, but really, this is not like a concept that is, was brand new because it's the New Testament. The Lord is telling you, your wealth, while great, that's fine. Golfer clap for your wealth, it doesn't do anything. Once you're dead and you can't buy your soul. And he goes on to say, Their inward thought is that their houses, verse 11, shall continue forever and that their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their saying, Selah. That's a rough uh, song. Because it kind of, you know, I mean, the way we think, man, we feel good about people that leave a little money for their children. I'm not saying don't do that, but it is interesting, just kind of the the feeling and the the vibe with this, that really just goes on to a trust in wealth, okay? So now we saw, now, okay, now think about that in light of the man that we saw that can buy himself out. He's got, he was poor. He was on the come up. The Lord just humbled him enough to go, hey, listen, uh, whatever you're amassing, you want to come up, that's not enough to buy your soul, son. That's important for us to hear. It's important for us to understand this concept because we're building something. If we're talking about redemption already, it's been taken out of my hands. I might be able to get myself in and out of jobs here in the States, right? I live in America. I can go and work anywhere. And just like that indentured servitude, yeah, I can change jobs, I can be CEO, I can be a janitor, whatever, right? But the thing is, is like, I still can't
1: buy my soul. So again, keep it in mind, okay? Here's this, write this down. Redemption of the soul is a higher price than man can pay. Redemption of the soul is a higher price than man can pay. See, that's what you need to come away with when you're looking at that.
0: The Lord is not playing any games here in terms of redemption and just this whole, whether it's the buyback program or really the whole idea, well, this stuff belongs to the Lord anyways. So how dare you move about and trade back and forth
1: like you own it? That's ultimately what the Lord is going to
0: land at. Now, here's another one that I want to get for the sake of time. We'll kind of speed up here. Now, you're in Psalms. Go over to 111. Psalm
1: 111. Now, this one's great.
0: There are always things that I notice. Okay, so now we've already seen that the price of of redeeming a soul is greater than a man can pay. But now let's see what else we can learn about
1: redemption. If I get to the right one, then we can read it. Okay.
0: Now, first off, right out the gate, verse one, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great sought out of all of them they have pleasure therein his work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endure forever he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered the lord is gracious and full of compassion he hath given meat unto them that fear him he will ever be mindful of his covenant he has showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the of the heathen the works of his hands are verity and judgment all his commandments are sure Okay, start paying attention. Well, you really, the whole thing is incredible, but follow with me how many times you see commandments in this spot. The works of his hands are verity and judgment and all his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and, and, and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption, oh, there it is, unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever.
1: Okay, here's the, your doctrinal point here. Those that, um, those that belong to the Lord
0: must obey the Lord. Those that belong to the Lord must obey him. He framed around redemption commandments (laughs) and he told you what they were in terms of
1: the quality of them, right? See, the thing you got to understand is this, y'all. We are his kids. Absolutely.
0: Sons and daughters of God but we are also his servants and he means to use us on this earth. And the thing that you got to start asking yourself now in terms of, we like the title being redeemed, but I have to start at least looking at from the standpoint of, man, am I about my father's business or am I about my business? Am I like in the justification, I justify my own acts. I say, well, that's good enough. God understands. No, he doesn't. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Maybe it is that we lack a little fear of the Lord, see. See, this ain't, uh, you know, Exodus days where you might've seen a frog fly out of the sky, a pillar of fire, some clouds, super scary stuff, earthquakes. Although it is getting kind of weird. You look at the weather, it is nuts what's happening. Kansas City feels like it's in a bubble, like a protection. I'm like, see, told you, best place on earth to live, Kansas City. (laughs) <laughs> every place else there's screaming and gnashing of teeth and mudslides and snow up to the eyeballs and it's like i don't know what's happening the chiefs are playing it's great. <laughs> and so there are things that are happening man right but again we have this attitude where we can just ignore this stuff we can just ignore what the lord is saying man the lord feels a way
1: about his commandments if not he wouldn't have told you how good they are And this is not to make you feel bad or make you
0: try harder, but it's just to wake you up. You have a life already. It's been justified. You have an identity already. You don't have to fight to keep yours or try to meld what you now have in salvation and what you were before. You don't get to say statements like, well, that's just how I am. That's how I grew up. That doesn't work.
1: You have a new life. And the Lord expects you to do something with that life. Now, for the sake of
0: time, I'm gonna skip down to Romans 3.24. Now, you guys, did you see the list for the uh, redemption? Okay, so you took a, did you take a picture of that list? Okay, so at some point, Daryl, we'll go back and we'll just give him a chance to do that. Okay, that way, and again, if you have blue letter, you could just do the same thing, type in redemption, boom, you'll have them all right there. But we want, to, we want to get to this one here in uh, Romans three twenty four through 26. Now, if those of you that are not in one of our Bible studies and faith fellowship, would, you're missing out because we're studying Romans. And so we've looked at this in great detail. Um, and so, again, because we have some kind of reference to it, I can kind of just read in an awkward spot here. Uh, verse 24 being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, excuse me, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him, which believeth in Jesus. Okay. Very simply, our doctrinal understanding right here is if you want to be justified, redeemed, at peace, forgiven, then you must believe on the name of Jesus, okay? You're not getting all that
1: without it. Faith is
0: paramount. You have to have it. You can't just rub up against it. You know, it's not very hard to find a uh, religious grandma that you really respect, but you don't even share her viewpoint. The Lord said, no, you got to come before me. What do you think? What do you believe? Do you believe I am who I said I am?
1: See, I remember that
0: that point when I told grandma I got saved. Just the joy in her voice was unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, grandma, I need a Bible because these guys, they, they bring Bibles to church. So she was like, okay. And She got one, a Ryrie, blue, I don't know, Nathan, do you remember that one? It's kind of about this big. And, uh, man, and it had the, the, the thumb tabs, you know, so that way, because, you know, I don't know where any book is. I'm like, I don't know. Genesis Revelation, that's the best guess. <laughs> you know, everything in the middle is like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. And so, man, I just, it was interesting. And I understood it from a different perspective. The joy that she had was like, you are as I am. You believe on the same Lord that I do, son. And she loved me to death already because on that side, I'm the only grandson. But, but after that, it was just different. Our conversation was just different. And so if you haven't made that choice, you have to make that choice. So now listen, we got to get to our keys because I don't want to leave you hanging. We got to figure out there are some requirements to redemption and we didn't get to cover everything as thoroughly as I wanted to for the sake of time. And I pray that you will go back and do it because man, I am enjoying myself like you would not believe the Lord is just knocking me over the head, teaching me all these things. So the first thing that we got to write down for redemption is this, it requires knowing the owner. Redemption requires knowing the owner. Remember, we looked at who's the master, who's the boss, who's really in charge. The Lord is always giving you an opportunity, man, to buy that back. Why? Because the Lord is like, I'm the boss. (laughs) I gave you this land. I gave you you. You don't belong to you. You belong to me, (laughs) right? If you are my people. All of this is the Lord's. There's a verse that just set this in motion for me. And that's in Psalm 24, 1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I mean, did we miss something? No. <laughs> we covered everything. The Lord's like, this whole little ball here is mine. Yes, sir. Okay, got it. So I want to be very careful how I lowered over anything. For those of us growing leaders in this class, we are not looking as we transition to now we're gonna have signups and people are gonna be a part. That is not an opportunity for you to boss people around. Okay. Ultimately, that means, by grace, we give, we set it up, we say what the expectation is, and then we step back and let the Holy Spirit go to work. If they fail, we say, hey, we love you, Uh, try better next time. If it's a pattern of that, and you just look like you don't want to be a part, we might ask you, hey, have a seat. Thank you for signing up, but your services will no longer be needed, (laughs) okay? Okay. We don't lord over God's heritage. It's God's heritage. The key words, God's heritage, okay? Here's the other thing. Redemption requires patience. Something I didn't get to is there is redemption very clearly called out doctrinally for Israel. And so that patience is this. We are still waiting for Israel to be redeemed. So it requires patience. But we should absolutely, and the Bible says, for them to hope for. And we should as well, because there's something else with that that goes with that. We are still waiting to be raptured. And so listen, I pray that you are not so set on your own agenda that now even that coming is like, Lord, would you put it off? Because I, I got to get married. That's what young couples always wrestle with that. It's like, please let me get married, please. Are you serious? <laughs> you get to be in the court and get to look at the Lord without your face melting like it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then, You'd rather get, trust me, and the minute you have morning breath from your bride, you'd be like, no, Lord, I'm ready. (laughs) Let's go. Same with me, okay? Same with me. But I can't want anything on this earth more than I want to be with the Lord. Are you kidding
1: me? Come on now.
0: Redemption requires patience. We got to be patient for all of it. We gotta be wanting it. We gotta be hoping for it. We gotta be setting our lives in such a way that says, man, I'm Lord, I cannot wait till you show up. So then you know what that's gonna do? That's gonna force how it is that I act. What am I doing? Because you know what? We could say that we want him to show up, but boy, you don't, you know, you know how it is like you was goofing off solitaire and your boss come around the corner. That is an awkward shuffling of the mouse. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's going to be the same the Lord's going to just pop up and it ain't going to be like we clicking our heels I mean immediately I would imagine it'd just be face down the main shall just face down you know and sheer terror you think the Lord the, the earth is being torn
1: in half <laughs> you know just from the trumpet sound man how are you getting how are you waiting are you waiting patiently
0: Last thing, redemption requires eternity. There's a verse I I have to read because it's right in my face here. It says, Hebrews 9, 15, you don't have to turn there. And for this cause, he is a mediator. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, not that one. Yep, that is. He is a mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. See, redemption requires eternity. And man, that is the thing that I want you to set your heart towards. There's an eternity more beyond however good is going for you now. Man, praise the Lord for that, right? But ultimately, you gotta be thinking. You're gonna spend eternity. And, you don't, and listen, we said it all the time around here. When you get there, all the, uh, you, don't, you don't have the function of discipling folks, sharing the gospel, uh, none of that, that's over. So the thing is, you want to do it now, right? Like you want to get to work doing those things now, investing in the kingdom now. Let's try to get the number and fill it up. Let's, if there's a room, think about a room. What's my job? How many people can, we, can I, Lord, be a part
1: of? Just add into that room so it's full.
2: So let's get our definition.
1: Redemption is a return back to God.
0: See, the thing that you may not have known is God was never satisfied with this distance between you. And unlike what reconciliation does is make things good between you and him, he so wants you that he's like, I'm actually going to build a house. I actually want you to stay with me. And you know how when you invite guests over, especially family, you want that to kind of be quick, right? And that they go home because family can be super annoying. (laughs) Right? And the Lord is like,
1: uh, how about forever? You good with that? man
0: I'm, yeah Lord you want to you want to be around me? He was like, yes, because you will be completely different <laughs> by the time you get here. <laughs> that's the holy reason why <laughs> you know but ultimately think about that
1: Redemption is a return back to God, and so here's
0: the personal application. super simple man. my new life of being Justified should be devoted to serving the Lord. My new life should be devoted to serving the Lord. And the thing I just really want as we get ready to part ways here and pray ourselves out is that you just consider what does your life look like? Is the Lord pleased with it? If the Lord is pleased with it, I'm going to be good. Our growing leaders are going to be good. Okay, that's just how that works. But ultimately, man, the way we got to just pare this thing down is the Lord came with an expectation. Man, he wanted you back to him so that way that he could put you to work, and not in this laborious way, but just so you could see what dad is doing. It's like being in the garage with dad, working on a muscle car, and the Lord's like, hey, get, grab me a wrench. I don't know what a wrench is. That's okay, son. Let me show you, and then next time he says, grab me a wrench, and you're like, okay, yeah, I know what a wrench is, right? That's how ministry works. You don't know what you're doing. Nobody knows, and then the Lord tells us when we get a little better, and we keep going and dad just keeps ramping up. We start taking the motor out and all that. Okay, so this is time with dad right now on earth. It's still time with dad
1: in the garage. And listen, I, we get to do that for eternity. So set your heart in such
0: a way now that it shows that, man, you're excited about that. And perhaps it is just leaving on that note. Maybe that sounds completely foreign to you, and you're like, Dale, I don't, I don't, my dad wasn't around. He didn't work on cars, so I'm out on, on that illustration. Okay, well, understand this. redeem means the Lord wants you back. Amen. he moved heaven and earth to make sure that that would happen. And all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I mean, like, it's a simple gift, a simple request. If you don't know that, if you don't, if you want me to talk you through that and we can spend some time looking at the scriptures over that, then please do that. But for the believers in the room, you're already justified. So stop trying to justify your life over the life that the Lord wants to give you. Find out what it is that He would have you do. In in MBT,
1: faith fellowship our Bible studies, okay? You're here for a
0: reason. It's not by accident. So be a part. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today and just a sweet time that we had in your word. And Lord, I just thank you just for the surety of your word, the surety of your position. Lord, we never have to wonder how you feel about us. We never have to wonder what the intention is uh, for our lives. We never have to wonder even what the next step is, like You laid it all out. And yet, Lord, sometimes we're a little bit slow to respond. And so for that, Lord, I just ask would you continue to be merciful to all of us. Lord, none of us in here are are that sweet speedy to righteousness. And so, Lord, I I pray that there will be nothing that would hinder um, just how you want this to land on our heart this morning. That Lord, that we would be grateful that you justified us and that you redeemed us um lord and i do just just thinking about israel lord and just the challenges they have they're surrounded by enemies all the time lord and just the work that's happening there are teams on the ground sharing the gospel with israelis lord i pray that you would just continue to uh, do a work there and just to continue to add to your church um save souls protect them uh, Lord, we do pray for a peace that's there that there's just not all this fighting that has just existed for thousands of years. And Lord, we know why we see why, but Lord, we still ask that you would just be merciful in that situation, Lord. And then just to be here with us, that we're not clouded by the judgment of our Judeo moral Christian values that are just deteriorating literally by the minute because really they were built on kind of a, a weird falseness, anyways. So, Lord. I pray for revival in this country, or that we would just be a people or church that would just stand on truth and uh, not on political ideas. Lord, that we would just be biblicists, be men and women of the book. And so Lord, help us to uh, just reckon that in our minds or be with us as we navigate this space today, be with all the services. Or we pray that people are making decisions. Um, Lord, that just work out to be in submitted to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.